The views, opinions, and findings contained in this podcast are those of the host and subject matter expert, and they should not be construed as official Department of Defense positions, policies, or decisions unless designated by other official documentation. Hi, welcome to Clinical Updates in Brain Injury Science Today, or CUBIST, a podcast for healthcare providers about current research on traumatic brain injury, also known as TBI. This program is produced by the Defense and Veterans Brain Injury Center, otherwise known as DivBIC. I'm your host today, Donald Marion. I'm a neurosurgeon here at DivBIC. In this episode of Cubist, I'll be talking with Dr. Jason Bailey. Dr. Bailey is a clinical neuropsychologist and senior clinical research director for DivBIC at Naval Hospital Camp Pendleton. Jason and I will discuss a study entitled, Use of the Progressive Return to Activity Guidelines May Expedite Symptom Resolution After Concussion for Active Duty Military, a study published in the December 2019 issue of the American Journal of Sports Medicine, and Dr. Bailey is the lead author. Hi, Jason, and welcome to Cubist. I would like to compliment you and your team for bringing to fruition the efforts of several DivBIC staff to create and test a new clinical recommendation for how best to safely return service members to duty following a concussion. Great work. What were the key findings of the study, Jason? Um, thanks, thanks, Don. I really appreciate that. You know, it, it was a, um, a large effort, and it, it, was, it was a challenging but necessary experiment to, to really allow us to better understand um, how activity level in our active duty personnel are impacting recovery from concussion. You know, one of the main findings that we found is that when we train military medical providers on how to manage concussion in their patients using a progressive return to activity approach, which meant we taught them to gradually increase activity levels based off of symptoms. When we taught them to do that, we had a dramatic improvement in symptoms. People got better from their concussion much faster. We had quicker symptom resolution. Their symptoms returned to a normal range quicker than when we were having patients who were treated by the same doctors before that training. So, you know, the takeaway being that if we train our doctors on how to use progressive return to activity, their patients get better faster. So how was the study done? We used a two-phased mixed model approach, which meant that what we did is we, we recruited a bunch of military medical providers that we knew were likely to see acute concussions. And we, we looked at three different branches of the military, a Navy site, a Marine Corps site, and an Army site. And we recruited the medical providers, and they were pretty varied in their background, some physicians, some nurse practitioners, physician assistants, some medics, um, some independent duty corpsmen. When a patient came through that was concussed, we enrolled them in the study. We monitored them for um, up to six months of their recovery to see how they did. We looked at one month, three months, six months, and so we were able to track that course. And then after we had a sufficient sample, we took the providers, as well as many other different military medical providers, and we conducted a, an in-depth training on how to manage concussion using a progressive return to activity approach. That was a, a pretty in-depth training that involved um, both didactics and clinical recommendations. And then we had them go back out and start treating more patients. And again, we did the same thing where we were recruiting these patients over time and um, tracking their recovery at different um, periods and we're tracking their activity. And we were able to see that there was an effect of that training, that when we trained these doctors, they provided more education to their patients. Um, and we also see that they, the behavior of the patients changed their activity levels in that acute phase of injury that first week after they got hurt. 
Jason, what did what did you use for an outcome indicator? Was it a quality of life uh, measure, or what did you use? The biggest metric that we used was a self-report questionnaire, the Neurobehavioral Symptom Inventory, or the NSI, uh, which is a, um, a very commonly used metric within the military, within veteran populations, that is looking at common neurological symptoms that we know are associated with concussion. So looking at changes in uh, memory and changes in attention, changes in um, their mood, their anxiety levels, their depression, changes in sleep. Um, and so we can then take that self-report and something that they, we can call them and do it. So made it so that the study was less demanding on the, the individuals. You said you monitor these people at uh, uh, several different time points, mm-hmm. one month, three months, and six months. Were the trained provider group or the PRA subjects, mm-hmm. were they better at all of those time points or, or not? We first enrolled them at 72 hours when they were first injured. And at that point, the, the groups look exactly the same. But when actually the treatment was done, so the time between the first treatment and then the next time we see them, we already saw an improvement in terms of reduction in symptoms. We saw that later on at one week, at one month, and we saw it at three months. The effect is no longer significant at six months, but there's a bunch of reasons why that might be. The biggest reason be we expect most people to be recovered by six months of injury, so they recover faster. But eventually, the treatment as usual group kind of caught up. I have a few technical questions. The first is, um, I noticed that you originally enrolled 58 subjects in the usual care and, and 48 in the PRA uh, care uh, arms of the study, but your final analysis was really based on just 33 of the usual care and 19 in the PRA groups. And I'm wondering how certain you are that the demographic and clinical profile of those 33 slash 19 subjects were comparable and, and without bias one way or another. Now, that's a great question, Don. When we look further out is when we get attrition in the study, basically. And attrition being when people, they, they stop coming, they stop participating. When we looked at the, the subsample, that 33 and that 19, um, they didn't differ from each other on key demographics, statistically. And they also didn't differ from the larger sample, that original sample. So based off those two avenues, we can be fairly confident that the, the key differences between them um, are related to the training and the intervention, not some other variables that we don't we're not looking at. Got it. Um, my second uh, question: um, I noticed in your paper that uh, service members in the PRA group were fifty nine percent more likely to receive written education mm-hmm. than service members in the treated before provider training. How do you know it wasn't just the written education that made the difference, rather than the actual PRA protocol and your good outcomes? I think those written materials are very important. You know, it's something that the patients can take home, they can refresh. But I can be really confident based off of previous work that's been done that education alone isn't the, the effectiveness. There was a study done in 2017 by Varner et al. that was looking at progressive return to activity in a acute concussion. They showed that the written education didn't matter. People don't always read their information pamphlets. The most important communication is verbal. And so I really think that even though we changed our provider's behavior and that they gave more education materials, and that is important. I think the most effect for this study comes from the, from the doctor's actions and, and their verbal education. Can you tell me some of the key limitations of the study? I think the biggest limitation is related to how we measure physical activity. 
When you're relying on self-report, that really is um, prone to people's interpretation and their perception, especially in terms of intensity, right? And that's really what we're getting at. Well, for the most part, we're not saying don't walk. We're saying don't overly exert yourself. I think the best approach would actually is to have more direct physiological metrics of, of intensity of physical exertion. And I, and I think that would give us more accuracy and actually trying to draw the line, try to draw the causal link between physical activity levels at different periods of recovery and their um, recovery. At this point, we're primarily making an assumption, but we're assuming that there's this link between what they're telling us in terms of physical activity and the recovery that we observe. If we had more data points and more direct metrics of physical exertion, I think we could be more confident um, in making that assumption. Uh, are you referring to heart rate, for example, and, and having them exercise to a maximum heart rate? Absolutely. That would be a great example. Yeah. I mean, even what we have on our own um, wearable devices, we have a way of, of recording that, which I think would be very simple to do in future studies. That makes a lot of sense, Jason. So finally, um, what are the key two or three takeaways for the primary care provider that you want to, to leave the listener with? Activity is important. You know, over time, pivoted somewhat in our, in our belief. You know, 20, 30 years ago, coaches and athletic trainers and physicians, we were very lax and appreciating the consequences of concussion. And we, and we would send people back too soon. It risks further injury, it risks symptom exacerbation. Then we kind of overreacted, and, and we had a lot of doctors who were putting people in complete rest, right? We were having people were being advised to do nothing, basically on bed rest. We found out the hard way that that was actually even worse. And so I think the major take home is too much activity is bad, too little activity is bad, but just the right amount of activity based off of that patient's tolerance based off of that patient's experience leads to the best success rates. And if we can educate our patients to be aware that this is their best way to get healthy faster, I, I think that could be really impactful. And the PRA clinical recommendation guides the primary care provider on just how to do that, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, Jason, thank you very much. Uh, uh, that's all we have time for today. You can stay up to date on future episodes of uh, Cubist by subscribing to Cubist on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts, where you can also find links to the article we discussed today and, and other relevant resources. Cubist is produced and edited by Vincent White and is hosted today by me, Don Marion. It is a product of the Defense and Veterans Brain Injury Center led by Division Chief Captain Scott Pine, Medical Corps, United States Navy. Thank you for listening to this episode. Next time, we will discuss TBI research getting attention in the mainstream press.